My name is Ed Peters, and I welcome you on behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers to another broadcast of What's New. We continue today in the third chapter of Acts. We are presently focusing on Peter's address to the crowd that came together in the temple after the healing of the lame beggar. Luke states that the people were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. We begin focusing on Peter's response to the people on our previous study, looking at verses 12 through 16. Today we move on to verses 17 through 23, and Luke writes as follows. Dear brothers, I realize that what you did to Jesus was done in ignorance, and the same can be said of your leaders. But God was fulfilling the prophecies that the Messiah must suffer all these things. Now, change your mind and attitude to God and turn to Him so He can cleanse away your sins and send you wonderful times of refreshment from the presence of the Lord and send Jesus, your Messiah, back to you again, for He must remain in heaven until the final recovery from all things from sin as prophesied from ancient times. Moses, for instance, said long ago, the Lord God will raise up a prophet among you who will resemble me. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Anyone who will not listen to him shall be utterly destroyed. One day as I was walking through a dreary sinful land I met a gentle stranger who took me by the hand Then I heard him whisper, heard him call my name And I knew with all my heart and soul I'd never more be the same Well I won't, I won't turn back no more heaven's shore. My Lord, my Lord is walking with me. And I know, I know he's talking with me. He said, he said he'd hold my hand till I reach the promised land. And I won't give up, I won't turn back, but I'll keep holding on. You helped me cross the valley and climb the mountains tall. He'll never let me stumble, he'll never let me fall. I mean to stay beside him till I reach heavenly ground. I won't look to the left, look to the right, and never more turn around. Well, I won't, I won't turn back no more till I, till I reach heaven's shore. My Lord, my Lord is walking with me, and I know. Talking with me, he said, he said he'd hold my hand till I, till I reach the promised land, and I won't give up, I won't turn back, but I'll keep holding on. Well, I won't, I won't turn back no more till I, till I reach 
heaven's shore. My Lord is walking with me, and I know, I know he's talking with me. He said he'd hold my hand till I reach the promised land, and I won't give up, I won't turn back, but I'll keep holding on. I won't give up, I won't turn back, but I'll keep holding on. Holding on. Israel's past sins called for a course of action. That action is repentance and conversion. This was not a new message to them. Isaiah, in chapter 43, verse 25, had this to say concerning God's eagerness to forgive his people. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Peter's message is the same as Isaiah's. Peter tells him here in verse 19, Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. Now here to bring us our study is Pastor Henry Harder. The Apostle Peter, shortly after the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, speaks to a large group of Jews at Solomon's porches, running along the inside of the eastern wall of the temple precinct. He was extremely hard on his audience. Talking to them about Jesus' death, he said, You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. He lays it right on the line. Those were harsh words for a man who had recently himself denied the Lord. He could identify with his audience, although he had not been involved in the crucifixion itself. But then Peter softens his tone, and he calls them brothers. Here is what he says. Now, brothers... I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Now this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ, who has been appointed for you even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Those guilty of wanting Jesus dead did it out of ignorance, Peter tells them. In no way did that lessen the crime, but it was considered a sin of ignorance, surprisingly even on the part of the leaders. Peter's magnanimity is almost unmatched anywhere in the New Testament, except for some of Paul's comments in Romans 9 to 11. He wants Israel to come to know Jesus. He wants them to repent. And while in no way making light of the crime, he surfaces two points. Number one, the Jews did it in ignorance. And number two, it was that very crime that God used as a method to bring salvation to the world. Let's focus on the first. The crucifixion, 
as sin of ignorance. Jesus himself had voiced the same idea from the cross itself when he said, they know not what they do. After reading the crucifixion narratives, it's hard to see it as a sin of ignorance, especially on the part of the leaders such as Caiaphas and the chief priests who were determined to put Jesus to death. But Peter includes them here. There is, as one writer put it, divine amnesty for those who put Jesus to death. Even the leaders are offered a free pardon for what surely must be the greatest sin, humanly speaking. Later in this book, Luke writes that the people of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus. Paul writes, none of the leaders understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus himself had said to them, you do not know me. Sins of ignorance were not just unwitting sins. Obviously, the Jews knew they were crucifying a man. Sins of ignorance include sins done in a rash moment. David's sin with Bathsheba is called a sin of ignorance. Saul of Tarsus was extended mercy because his sin of persecuting the church was considered a sin of ignorance. On the other hand, for a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath, a clear violation and flaunting of the law, there was no mercy. That was not a sin of ignorance. These Jews who wanted Jesus dead didn't really know what they were doing. Had they known he was the Lord of glory, they surely would not have crucified him. Although a monstrous sin, it was forgivable. If they would acknowledge their sin, repent, that is, change their mind about Jesus, confess their sin and turn to him. Surely this must teach us that the greatest sin is forgivable. No sin is so great that can't be placed under the blood of God's greatest sacrifice, Jesus. No sinner is so terrible that he can't be forgiven. There isn't a sin that can't be wiped out, as Peter puts it here. And there isn't a sinner that can't have times of refreshing, again, as Peter puts it here. Now Peter mitigates even further their guilt by saying that not only was theirs a sin of ignorance, but it was that very crime that God used as a method to bring salvation to the world. In fact, God had foretold through all the prophets that Christ would suffer. The role of the suffering servant of whom the prophet spoke, was taken upon himself by Jesus. He fulfilled it when he suffered and died for man's sin. That was a part of the messianic mission. That was in God's plan all along. The plan of salvation was God's. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. His plan does. Every sin is forgiven and every person is cleansed who comes in faith to the Lord Jesus.
What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.